Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today we have with us Amy Orta, a cranial psychotherapist, therapeutic meditation teacher, holistic intuitive. She helps empaths master their sensitivity and get extra TLC. They need to maintain healthy boundaries, connect with their authentic self, and stay on track despite life changes and circumstances that are just beyond our control. She is with us today to share with us how she went from living with crystals in her pockets and sage in her purse, Nancy and I still do that, and confidently <laughs> navigating everyday stress and self-healing anytime, anywhere, using what they already have within themselves. Well, we're happy to have you today and thank your client, Cindy. Cindy is a huge fan and she is constantly sending me, oh, wait, you got to listen to this one. Oh, wait, you got to listen to this one. So I'm constantly getting links of your podcast. I'm like, okay, okay. She's like, I'm going to email them. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm getting to it. I'll email them too. So I'm so happy to be here. And I think Cindy might be happy, more happier than all three of us. <laughs> hi, Cindy. Well, yeah. Hi, Cindy. And I just wanted to shout out to her too, because as a podcaster, we value people's feedback so much. It just validates that we're on the right path, that we're living our purpose. And so thank you very much, Cindy. And thank you for connecting us with Amy. Yeah. And her friends in her email. It's just so amazing. You talk about a lot of the things that Mandy and I really align with. Mandy and I are both empaths. So it's very important that we understand about our energy. Is that right? Indeed. And I think with my clients, how I ended up doing classes and teaching a lot of this stuff to clients was because a lot of clients are also in our shoes and why you guys are doing this podcast where so many of us are in this position or we were at one point, or maybe we'll circle back. It's not linear. Right. And so I ended up doing these classes because they're like, wait, how do you do this? How is this happening in treatments? And I'm like, well, let's do a class on that. So many of us in this boat. Absolutely. How did you get into this? Yeah, I started where, again, it's going to be very familiar. I started as a massage therapist 20 years ago. And like many massage therapists, we all of a sudden start to feel things that we weren't aware of before. And so then we start looking into different ways to discover it, to understand it, and really, truly, bottom line, learn what the heck are we supposed to be doing with this? So, of course, some of the things that I, you know, I've got my smudge sticks and sweetgrass and the Palo Santo and of course all of those things and rooms and essential oils that are supposed to do this, that, and the other thing, Bibles of crystals, doing Reiki work, hundreds of different things, right, that we learn about. And I also ventured into, I traveled overseas, I was in Thailand for a month doing training um, on some of their principles of managing energetic work Ooh. and shiatsu training. So you know, from, from the, the stuff that you can kind of go do neighborhood classes to, uh, on intuition and all that to like, I'm like, okay, this is a great reason to travel. Let's do that a little bit. Nice. So really explored a ton of different things. So I had all these tools in my tool belt. Right. And I'm like, I feel like I'm still missing something. There's this lingering feeling like, oh, okay. People say it about meditation all the time. I've tried meditation and I've done it and I followed this master and I've done that 30 day program, blah, blah, blah. But, and then it's like, there's something missing. That's the thing that I, I was noticing. One day I had up until COVID, I had a healing center and there's a clinical social worker who would work in the practice and we're having this staff meeting. I get really, or I used to get far more than I do now, socially awkward, uh, fidgety. I say things I shouldn't be saying. I'm using words I probably shouldn't be using. And it's just all this awkwardness comes out in me and this discomfort of this moment. And the clinical social worker who knew me uh, well, quite well, after the meeting, she looked at me and she goes, what the heck was that? And I'm like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know what happens to me when I get into some of these situations. I can feel my energy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I had a crystal for my heart being open and I had this for my intuition. I had this to be grounded and my pockets were loaded with things and I was oiled up, right? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> so she's like, well, she's like, I can help you with that. I had no idea what she was talking about, but I was like, okay, I'm in. I don't know how you're going to help me with this, but I'm in. 
So we took on a variety of issues. We took on the discomfort that I socially start to roll into and manifest and how that all comes out. Things can come out sideways. Uh, We eventually rolled into some boundary issues with staffing. We eventually rolled into quitting smoking because I was about to start doing some fertility treatments. And obviously you can't be a smoker uh, or well, rules are you shouldn't be at least. Um, And so we, we tackled a bunch of these different issues and what she had me do was to go into the awareness and go into the subtleties and start looking at how I'm participating in all of this and all the things I'm feeling. Look at what I'm feeling, but then beyond that, how am I showing up? What's getting triggered? What's that feel like? And allowing myself the patience and the safe space to wait for it and wait for Mm -hmm. it, (laughs) to hear what's going on, to dissipate the charge of the trigger, to dissipate what's all being stirred up, what's going on when you feel like you need those tools to self-regulate, to dissipate the charge, and then to even further go deeper and wait for awareness on what your truth is underneath it. So it's a little bit of a funky thing to explain. You're nodding your head because you know we don't want to talk about, but it's, it's this feeling. No the quote that, you know, the truth by the way it feels, it's not the frustration. It's not the anger. It's not the being mad at somebody else. It's not the wounds or the, what it's none of that. It's this gut punch (laughs) sometimes when you sit with it and you're like, Oh, you can, it's just this, once you've had it, you know it, but it's super hard to explain. It's this feeling that, Oh, that's what was underneath that that's the real issue. That's the thing I need to be looking at. That's the thing I need to be solving for. That will pretty much remedy any need for, you know, something in my pocket or smudging or clearing the room and any of that, which I'll double back to are super helpful tools that you should not be throwing them all out right now, but (laughs) don't throw it away. But I think we can be using it in a better way. And that's what I'm trying to talk to people about is how to use those tools in a better way to go in, look within, unpack all this stuff, look at how you're showing up, hit that root truth, and then use those tools as a means to access those things that already exist within you. You are not bringing protection to yourself. You are accessing that feeling of being protected. At one point in your life, I hope people have known that feeling. Not everybody has. It's going back and accessing unconditional love that already exists within you, using those tools to reconnect with that after you've dissipated the charge, not using the tools to dissipate the charge. Dissipating the charge has to be coming from within your stillness, in your neutrality. Word. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, did I just go on too much of a tangent? No, No. that's great. So I have a really fun example, which I think is helpful because if they're still like, what in the hell is she talking about the truth and the way it feels? So let me give a really practical example. I have been doing work with Sharon and I've also started craniosacral training where mantra of craniosacral training is dissipate, 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 stillness, neutrality, neutrality, stillness, so on and so forth. I'm like living dissipating in my life. I'm trying to quit smoking and I'm going through fertility treatments, which if anybody's gone through it, they're hard. It is... It is a lonely, hard, a lot of inner work to be done in fertility. And I asked him in the bulk of, of, of the process, you have to do a ton of needles and injections. And I was like, can you please just do this? It's like five a day or something crazy, maybe more. I don't remember. And he looks at me with complete innocence and he goes, he goes, it's just like a diabetic insulin injection in your stomach you can do this yourself. Just do it yourself. And I'm like, uh, uh, and then the rage (laughs) here it comes. And it was like a big, like in the moment charge. And I'm thinking I'm a super independent person. You know, it takes a lot for me to ask for help. And you know, who is he to say that I can't do this? Cause immediately, right. It's like, you can't do this. Well, I can't do this by myself and la la la. So I'm, I'm rolling and I'm raging. And I go out and I have a cigarette and I'm like, okay. 
I'm giving myself permission to have this cigarette because I need to, I need to bring it down. I know I can't go back to them charged like that. Cause that's just not helpful. So I got go out there. I engage in my coping mechanism to self-regulate, to speak on it in a clinical sense. I go have a smoke and then I stay out there and I breathe and I continue to self-regulate and I continue to dissipate and I wait and I wait. I know he's not in my head. I know he's not, he doesn't think I'm a, a lazy or a codependent person. He knows how independent I am. He wasn't trying to put me down. What's this about? What's this about? Waiting for it, breathing, doing my cranial biodynamic zones, waiting for it. And then boom, it hits me like a gut punch. And it's like, I feel so alone. I feel like I'm having a baby by myself. And how is that possible? So after a bit of an emotional flush out, however it manifests, sometimes there's a tear, sometimes there's not, whatever. So I, I allow myself the space to, to breathe through that and find myself back into a peaceful place. And so I go back to him instead of all the things I wanted to say when he said it to me, I go back and I say, I just feel really alone in doing this. And if you can do that for me, it would really help that feel like we're actually having a kid together. And he's like, oh, sure. Why don't you say so? And I'm like, well, <laughs> if it were only that simple. And so that's, that's what I mean by dissipating the charge. And I often feel like we need to give examples of that because it's kind of hard unless you've sat there and sat through that discomfort and, and hit that truth moment that it's kind of hard to understand. I probably wouldn't have known it if I hadn't, you know, been coached through this work. So I hope that's Mandy, do you have one? <laughs> God, how do you know me so well, Shanna? Oh, wait, because you've been my best friend since I was like 12. Yeah, I have one from yesterday. I was sitting in my car and talking to Shanna and having this complete like meltdown about I'm moving into my own apartment after being in a marriage for 19 years. So it's already high, high emotions, but it wasn't about that. It was about some movers and the financial piece of what it cost to me. And it just put me into this complete moment of breaking down and I vented to Shanna and then I got off the phone and I sat and I just felt it and I brought awareness and discernment to my body. And then I realized, holy shit, what is this really about? And for me, it was about the fear of doing something on my own for the first time ever. Yeah. Sorry. And finding that line between being independent and asking for help. Yeah. Yeah. So being that's vulnerable. what it was about. Yeah. So, and it, and you know, um, I love that you use the word patience because that's something I've always said I lack. So Amy, thank you for bringing that to our listeners attention because we just rush through things, right? We just rush through the feelings. That's what we're conditioned to do. And so I had to be patient and sit there and let the world just go on around me, let my phone blow up, let the apartment sit, let my car still run and just sit and be and be patient. Give yourself space. Yeah. You know, often when you're about ready to engage in something, sometimes you, you don't make yourself that space. And what happens is like you vomit all of your emotions out on somebody without making space to sit with it like you did and have patience with yourself, pause and analyze and just say, where's this coming from? You know, where, where's this emotion rising out of me? Where's this charge from? And then when you have that space, nine out of 10 times, everything that was about to projectile at the other person was not even theirs. And so you have that space to say, okay, well, how am I going to react? Yeah, we definitely yeah. need more of that. I know I did that. And afterwards, I felt so bad. I didn't even have control. And that's what made me scared is that it came out so quickly that I wondered how many times I had done that to people I loved, you know, my children, my parents, my friends. In that moment, when I was able to just be that witness, it was such a realization for me. And I think as empaths, and I'm going to speak for myself, but I assume this is probably a larger experience is that 
we are completely the, because we can feel things so clearly, we really wear everything on our sleeves. There's not that much of a filter in empaths because we're just taking in so much and we're kind of overcome by all the mirror neurons that are taking in all that information that it's hard for us to fake, be fake, lie or BS our way through stuff. And so that's really what, why I'm a kind of a little obsessed about this work is because I'm empathic. And if what's underneath isn't tended to and maintained and kind of kept clean and honest and on the up and up, that's going to come out everywhere. And I don't want that coming out everywhere. So I need to make sure what's going on within is as well-maintained as possible, because that's really what I am going to pretty much always be showing the world. And I'm going to stop worrying about having to filter it. If I can make sure what's going on in there is pretty well self-regulated and healed and addressed. Yeah. It it just, it helps every day. It helps managing every day and navigating every day when you can show up like that. Two questions for you. Since I've been practicing what you're talking about and pausing and you know, removing myself and sitting in that awareness. I wish I could smoke. Damn it. I miss smoking so bad, <laughs> but instead I have coffee, I have asthma. So, and I kind of died, so I can't smoke. Frick makes me so angry. But anyway, when I would do that, other people felt like that was their consequence and that or their punishment. It came off as, you know, I call it detaching with love, but to them, it's, it seemed more like, oh, she's pissed. Now she's outside. Uh, fake smoking and drinking her coffee. So. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do indeed need to give them a bit of a heads up. That is something that I think when we're doing this work, we can show up a little bit better and communicate a little bit better of, you know what I can tell, I have nothing productive to say right now. And that's not how I want to, you know, be in a relationship with you or relate to you or talk with you. I want to be respectful and I want to be helpful. So I need to go handle myself and give myself a time out so I can see what's going on within me and take yeah. care of this I so love that, that I can come up with something helpful. Well, I probably drive people crazy around here and I know I do Mandy sometimes. I just absolutely refuse. And I just, so, I mean, I say not mine and just walk away. You sit right, with because- that shit. I'm not, it's not mine. But you know, one other thing that's actually amazing, you kind of triggered me to remember something do you know that our brains are not even wired to fully develop self-regulation until you're in your mid twenties? I think it was like 24. That is so against us. Uh, yeah, I'm still fully waiting for mine to kick in sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I'm doing this work constantly. I love my job because I get to self-regulate constantly because I need that as an empath and I'm taking on so much and I'm I'm really help. I'm reading other people's nervous systems so that they can understand what's going on in them. That I constantly have to reset to my own. That mm-hmm. I'm just, I love that I have to do this for a job. <laughs> I don't have to, but yeah. I get to. Yeah. Amy, let me ask you. Um, I saw you wanting to respond when Shanna was talking about saying, you know, not mine. What are your thoughts on that? You know, not everybody is in this world right now to be showing up in the way that we show up and that's okay. However, they need to figure out a different way to handle that because the way we would handle it is, you know, going off into our, into our own space, into our own timeout. So what we do in, in the biodynamic work um, in T is we self-regulate, mm-hmm. we scan our zones, the biodynamic zones, and then we um, reorientate to our rhythms, our cranial rhythms to reset. Um, and if they aren't implementing stuff like that, it's, it has to be for them to figure out. And as empaths, that's so hard for us because it triggers us to feel that discomfort of, are they going to be okay? And we have to really manage our jumping in Mm -hmm. and our, uh, what becomes rescuing, which is not helpful for anybody. Oh, so hard. And especially our family members and our spouses and because you just, you just don't want to see them be uncomfortable because you feel it. You're like, Oh God, if you could just process this, just process this, you'd be great. And we could just shed it. (laughs) It's so hard. And I do want to rescue. And it's so hard to stop myself because sometimes my choices that I know are best for me are causing other people hurt. And then I feel bad for it. And I want to rescue them. And 
I think a lot of people think that they're taking on other people's discomfort because they're frustrated that they're empathic. They're frustrated that they can feel other people's stuff, so to speak, because they can't differentiate how much is theirs and how much is someone else's. Because in that discomfort of your spouse getting frustrated that you said, not mine, is him then going inward on some level, whether it's conscious or not, um, wrangling a little bit with self-doubt and all these other things. And then that activates a part of us, a part of our self-doubt, that frequency. So while I don't feel like, you know, um, vibrational tools can necessarily address charges for sure, there are frequencies that are triggering all of us and activating parts of us when they're working on something. We have to look at, so how much is theirs and how much is ours? It's not always just theirs or just ours, right? Um, when I'm in a treatment, I'll be, I'll start process. I'm an Aries. So it's always about me. So I'm in a process. I'm processing something <laughs> of mine. And I, I'll say to my client, are you having like, let's say I'm working on hyoid bone, right? In the throat. throat. I'm like, are you working on like speaking your piece, so to speak about to someone else, perhaps a family member? Um, be like, how did you know? Because <laughs> like, it's awakening that in me. I suddenly went into processing that, that vibration for myself. And so it's not just theirs or ours. Sometimes it's both, you know, 70, 30 or 50, 50 or 90, 10, whatever. And so we have to, again, look at what's been activated in us. And this is why stress and obstacles and discomforts in life are our biggest, most golden opportunities to know our souls better. And to me, it's my nervous system. I call it the nervous system. I'm creation of my family's genes and DNA and imprints and, you know, all of that, my own experiences too, of course. Um, but that's why all these things are absolute gold because a part of what they're going through can awaken and allow you to understand yourself better and take a deeper look at, wow, I didn't realize I had that there. Huh? How do I find neutrality. I don't want to say fix, heal. Okay. But how do I dissipate the charge? So I'm neutral about it and can hold space for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause so triggered. often what we're doing is we're blaming other people for the way we're feeling. <laughs> yeah. That's usually and the entry point of self-awareness yeah. is it's other people's fault. Cause they haven't yeah. quite hit that part yet. <laughs> Which is, you know, when, and when that kind of like became like a light to me, I was like, duh, you know, like, yeah. And so when you look at it, even on the negative side, then you start to actually look on the other side too. I mean, also no one can really truly make you feel happy and loved either. These are things you only feel within. They can only enhance that experience for you to feel within but they, this is not found outside of you, which is, we're always looking for it outside, which is why a lot of people come to me when they're in life changes. And that's when I kind of dropped deeper into the work. Um, I had an unexpected, uh, trauma. I, I was pregnant with twins and then ended up having to, um, induce and lose them at 20 weeks delivery. And a lot of people, these unexpected situations and these life changes, it, the things around us are changing, but it's really about our expectations, how we connected to safety, you know, losing my grandparents. They're one of the primary ways that I connected to unconditional love. When I lost them, I had to find a new way to connect with that. I had to reorganize yeah. and reorientate, right? So I do my zones, again, craniosacral, blah, 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 right? Do the zones and then do the rhythms to reorganize how all this stuff within needs to reorganize and reorientate because it's all the things outside of us that bring out what already exists there. And we have to find it in a new way. We have to find that safety now that you're in a, find it in a new way, reassure yourself, remind yourself, go back to that and use all these tools then, right. To connect with that within ourselves. Cause it's there. Hmm. First of all, I'd like to say, I'm so sorry for your loss. There's an influencer on Instagram that I follow named Lauren Beverly, because she always posts like the cutest crap for super cheap, but she shares her IVF journey with the getting yeah. the shots. Yeah. And I bring that up because I think social media gets such a bad rap. A lot of people might think like, why is she sharing this? Like she shows herself giving her the shots and the journey and then the loss when the 
when the eggs don't take and all that. And I appreciate that she puts that out there because you can see it brings a lot of comfort to people that are, are going through it or that are thinking about going through it. So thank you for sharing your story. I'm a, I'm a strong, strong advocate for sharing. So yeah, it validates not, we all can't find the words for the things that we're feeling. And I find that's actually, you guys skip the, what is your soul question on me? Oh, <laughs> I'm no. so prepared for that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like, that's one of the things that I feel like my soul was here for is, is people can't always put words to it. And so when you are telling your story, it'll click for them, resonate um, and validate and it's so important. And that's what we do in sessions is like, you know, Amy, this is why I'm struggling. And I can kind of tune in and be like, okay, this is what I see happening. What, what does that sound like for you? Is it connecting or no? And that validation mm-hmm. and resonating shifts everything because then we just, all the judgment that we have on ourselves, how harsh we are on ourselves just drops. Mm-hmm. And we're really able to connect with some compassion for ourselves and permission to feel that way because now we can put our finger on it. It's like, we're so trained that if we can't put our finger on it, it's not valid. So I love how you describe that. I'm glad. See, it's helpful because it just validates those things that we can't put words to. So you share an experience because when you're listening to someone tell their story and you can relate, you actually have that discernment and validation experiencing. You're feeling that within your body. You're, you're going right. through it with them, that muscle memory or whatever it is that you're connecting to. It's, that's so beautiful. I've never actually heard anyone put it like that. That's what creates, I think, the most important key to safe space for people. I'll go into some of these empath groups and they'll ask questions. I'll be like, find a safe space. And they're like, what the hell is a safe space? Yeah. <laughs> I need to write a vocabulary list and like make that an easy PDF downloadable, right? That's the biggest part of this, of, of having a safe space yeah. is like being able to be present in your discomfort, mm-hmm. be compassionate with yourself, be present, see those things about yourself. And then, cause that's the only time you're going to be able to dissipate them is when you can actually see them. And that's what we, another part of the biodynamics is that we dance between form and formlessness. So, so many meditation programs will be like, Oh, go off into nature. Love it. Such a happy place. Zone D, right? Such yeah, a happy place. There. There's a, then of course there's the tracing your skin, right? Again, biodynamic mm-hmm. zoning, cranial work, totally do that mm-hmm. too. But then there's some other layers in between that kind of get missed, but which is super helpful to go into those because you can kind of activate some of the embryological principles, which is in biodynamic craniosacral work. Um, the so what are they? Around- you're going to tell us, right? Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the zones? Yeah. Well, no, you're going to tell us the in-between the yes, forest and, and, and your I, body And scan. I have- I have a download where you can practice them so Great. at the end of this. I'll give you the link and you can download okay. so you can actually practice them yourself. So the embryological principles uh, and biodynamic work that our whole being was created from the genius of a few cells. If our body can create from a few cells from simple multiplication and division of DNA, really, we really think we need to get involved with some of the healing stuff. And it's like, just leave it alone. When people come into my class, I said, I love that everybody has done so many things, but here I'm repeating my instructor because this is, he said this to us time here in this program, we are here to learn these skills. You are not to be running anything. You're not to be doing, 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 doing nothing. This is the space to allow that DNA that created your whole being, show it a little bit of respect, go into the form and see it and be present with it. It's like, Um, When you go into form and you bring your awareness to something and you can see it really clearly, whether it be a structural restriction in your sphenoid bone or an emotional feeling and situation and event and unpacking it, you're pulling away a weighted blanket that's on top of a bunch of balloons and all the balloons float away. All sorts of stuff that can dissipate just dissipates away. There are a few balloons that are left that are tied to something. And those are the things you'll have to go back and have some sort of therapeutic intervention and address. But you pull, you bring your awareness to that. You go in the form of it. You pull the blanket back. A bunch dissipates. You don't even have to get involved. Just let it be. And then you go into the formlessness of some of the other layers where you just trust your nervous system. You trust your cranial rhythm. You trust some of these other natural rhythms that created your whole being to go in there and take care of the rest of the balloons. Then you, 
you kind of know when you go into processing, you float away and you're gone and you're like, oh, wait, where'd I go? And then you bring yourself back to form, you dance back to the form and you check back in with those balloons and see what's still attached. Sometimes you need to get a professional to help you and to address it and to help you understand how to better intervene. And sometimes you can do this dance and, you know, the different techniques we use in the, using these different zones um, and the awareness, you can, a lot of it, a lot of it, you can really do on your own. You can really do all this stuff on your own and, and connect with all this innate healing and processes and flow. You don't have to run anything. You don't have to, you know, do anything. I don't want to put down other healing modalities because all those beautiful things brought me here. Um, and they're great tools to use to access that part of you. But really, when it comes down to it, you just have to be present and dissipate. So what's the thing I promised I'd tell you? Oh, the zones, the other zones. So four zones. So in the work, we'll do zone A, which is the skin and the container for our physical body. And there's all sorts of work we do in, in that fluid matrix in body work, of the, in the body work of cranial sacral therapy. And then zone B is the space just outside of your skin. You'd imagine like an eggshell container um, for that and being aware of the space between your skin and that boundary. Boundaries are super important. Understanding what that feels like is super important. Yeah. Um, Mandy calls it her um, human condom. Okay. We can go with that. (laughs) I probably want as much as I love to make people uncomfortable, because that's kind of what I do in the treatment. I kind of push you to be uncomfortable so that you, we can work on stuff. I don't know that I'm going to use that one, but I like it. Well, that or the unfuckable bubble, you know, either one. Yeah. Um, I'll stick with eggshell. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why, but I was just pictured like squeezing it on me. I don't know. Let's get a little bit more space between that. So in one of my, in one of my level one beginners, actually, which kind of is close is uh, we do the human water balloon. And so it's very similar, but it's not a condom. So so we use that for our zone a as, as getting a sense of our fluid matrix. All right. But the zone B is, is a little bit further out. And so that's kind of the eggshell container. Yeah. Zone C is the space in the room. So between that eggshell and then the walls and the ceiling and the floor. And then zone D is out in nature and your connection with nature. This is zones of awareness. This is zones of your nervous system. It's, am I having a heart attack? Do I have muscle tension? Am I have a cramping? Am I thirsty? Am I hungry? Am I anxious? Like what's the information in my nervous system that's happening in my body? Zone B is, is there a snake crawling on my shoulder? Do I need to figure out how to manage that? Is somebody invading my space without my permission? So it's all present moment central nervous system sensory information. Is um, there a tiger in a bush somewhere in the room? What's, what's oh, my okay. safety container there in the present moment? And then out in nature, it's, it's present moment awareness, okay. nervous system. When you go there, it's completely different um, because the other ones totally, I'm not trying to say they're not valid. I'm just saying that it's not really coming into the present to process stimuli in your nervous system, which really what we're trying to do. Because when I had to go back to IVF after the loss, I had to figure out how I was going to show up going through the same process that sent me into a traumatic, devastating, heartbreaking loss all over again without basically losing my shit. How do I go into these appointments without sobbing? How do I have another child without hovering and fearing for them? And, you know, when you're in grief or fear, you can't really connect. And, you know, how can I be present for a child that I I might be able to have when I do this again without reliving all the other stuff? My work carried on to being a parent in the early years because of that. And then of course, well, there's parenting and parenting is its own shit show. So (laughs) of personal work. So yeah, you work so hard for that now. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And just when you feel like I've accomplished so much, it's like, Oh, here, really here, let's try this. It's like, Oh man. Uh, Well, I'm glad that you did. Congratulations. How many kids do you have? I have two. I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. Nice. Oh, that's fun. You know, a lot of my life, I've been completely intrigued by the nervous system. I really want to learn more about it. I actually, I would love to see one, like, I don't know, because I've always felt like my nervous system was out of whack and that I need to learn how to reset it. 
Um, I remember when I was in uh, rehab, they taught us about how alcohol like stamps your nervous system. And so when you pick up a drink again, that's why you basically go back to where you started. And that's really what triggered me into starting to think about how much the nervous system affects us. And why is it that that alcohol would attack my nervous system? And that's what would cause me the jitters and the anxiety and then want to drink again. And so I, I think a lot about it. I can't wait to dive more into it because we, we don't bring enough awareness to it. And I don't know that people really even understand how much their nervous system controls their body, their emotions, their minds. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the value of doing the zones versus doing the ethereal layers. Doing the zones is all about sensory stimuli. You are processing the triggers that are existing out there that your body is just waiting for. It's just waiting and waiting to find that and see it. So it can go, Oh my God, I need to shut down. Or I need to go into fight or flight or I need to start yelling or whatever, whatever it is that you're coping. It, it could be a coping mechanism like smoking or trying to control things. And my favorite hysterical coping mechanism just within myself, and I see it all the times in clients, they really confuse intellectualization with self-awareness. They really confuse trying to just think their way through a feeling instead of feeling it and say it's awareness. And I'm like, wait, no, no. If you're not feeling a little bit uncomfortable in your body right now, you're not in the feeling. You're, you're, right. The coping mechanism is you're trying to intellectualize and make logic out of it mm. and process it by yeah. thinking your way through it. Sorry, not going to happen. You Full versus go ego the there. <laughs> well, and honestly, I mean, I've been there and it's like, mm -hmm. you don't quite know the difference until you do it. And then you're like, well, you it's think like you do. <laughs> well, <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> you do. And, and it's, it earlier, um, I forget what we were talking about, but it's, you have to go into the discomfort and be vulnerable and people do these other, we, we don't want to do it. Yeah. We, we go busy. It. I think that's what you're saying. You want to go busy. Mm -hmm. You want to rush that's fight or flight, right? So you go yeah. into mobility, which is fight or flight, or you go down into immobility, which is feeling unmotivated. My aunt calls it couch potato syndrome, which I love. Right. Or it's you watch a like, great you know, your social media, binge. you know, flipping or right, watching Netflix all weekend or what, you know, I listen to true crime. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> My guilty so, pleasure. Yeah. I I'm a PBS masterpiece. Oh, love, that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. My husband's a police officer. So we get plenty of that in real life. We try, oh. try to go into a little bit more make-believe oh. world. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a lot. Is that, so is that why you do that? Cause I always kind of said like, what is going on with me? I know that I'm creating this kind of like dead space for myself. You know, I know that there's nothing that's going on there. I mean, my brain's just needing to escape but I'm not doing anything healthy, you know, but that's okay. It is. Yeah. I do give myself grace, but I always yeah. wondered like, what is this? What is this? That some days I just want to listen to it all day and I'll get nothing done in my life. So here's what I suggest to people when they get stuck in coping mechanisms. What, what was suggested to me with smoking was go ahead and let yourself have the cigarette. But first, do something healthy to start to self-regulate. Yeah. So do some breathing, do your zones. My Try something are, else first. Do your zones, mm -hmm. do your zones, do your zones. So bring yourself to self-regulation somehow and then do it. You know, yeah. now because uh, it's brownies. <laughs> I love my brownies. <laughs> okay. We have a lot of subliminal messages that are put out there in our world, on TV, on signs, on churches oh, on, so you know, much stuff. so, you know, you know, your amygdala, uh, your brain reacts to that, puts you in a fight or flight without you even knowing. And you didn't really even bring awareness to it. You just saw it for a brief second. So like, how do, how do we dissipate? Why, how do we dissipate that charge? You do your zones. I'm going to sound like a broken record by the end of this. You do your zones. And that's why, again, it's about your, your dissipating all the stimuli, why this work is so important for empaths and intuitives. Mm -hmm. You're dissipating all that information that came into your, the stimuli that came into your nervous system and you're resetting yourself. Mm -hmm. You Again, you're just bringing your awareness to it. And the beauty of bringing your awareness to it and seeing it is you're pulling back that blanket and the balloons float away. The red billboard that said something about shave cream, I have no idea what, 
that just goes away. <laughs> my nervous system isn't holding on to it going, I might need to know that Wait, when I need to buy my hair on something next week. Hold on. You know. Did you say shave cream? Yes. <laughs> What's the well, hell? It's a billboard you- about, I don't know. The razor. It has something to do with the razor. Yeah. No, do you know need- what's really funny is that I've gone through this. You know, I've like had, you know, some very major realizations through Reiki though, but not necessarily like a Reiki treatment, but just like, a, you know, sitting with my pain, right? Just sitting with it and focusing on the pain, focusing on the pain, focusing on it, asking, you know, what you need, just kind of connecting with it, giving it just some attention. And then to bring myself a little bit deeper into who I am, my DNA, who's, what is my DNA connected to? So you're right. Like it's a different avenue, but it's all the same thing. Just giving yourself this awareness, sitting with your pain, your emotions, all these messages that our body is trying to tell us have to bring attention to it. And I think that Shanna, you're kind of mentioning the rain that you love so much, you know, the recognize, acknowledge, um, investigate, and then nurture. Yeah. And I'm, there's just something very earthly in my natal chart. I'm just a very practical person. So it has to be very practical. I come my South node for anybody is, is of healers and of, of the woo woo, if you will. But my North node is all about making practical for people. And so Mm -hmm. I kind of geek out on the, the technical part of it. I love how the marriage between the two, I mean, we chat on Evan Alexander and he literally said like, you know, they, they had it all wrong. It's true. And I love it too. And that's why a lot of times I do speak cranial sacral to my clients, especially the ones who are not woo-woo. I like to be able to have language that's going to fit, that they'll understand or connect to. Because it's safe for them. Yeah, it's safe for them. And for right. to help them understand, however they're going to see it, if it's going to be fucking right. rainbows or if it's going to be points, even, you know, yeah. or whatever it is. Right. You want to talk about energy going up and down your spine, or we could say it's, you know, cerebral spinal fluid, whatever the fuck you want to call it. We're doing the same thing, right? We have blockages or you want to, you know, whatever you want to call it. The yeah. whole thing is, is that it's been conditioned out of us to connect with our bodies in this way, or maybe we never knew. I don't know, but it's so important. Amy, um, talk about practical. What, what is it about the practical that your, your brain loves so much? I love framework. I love step-by-step. I love, I love all the structure that goes into it. You know, A plus B equals C. That's a relief from a world of intangible feelings. I have, it's a relief from all the overwhelm of the, like this, the anchor of that is super safe for me. And I love that in the biodynamic work, we keep going back to like Shana was just saying, we're going back to our bodies. We're going back to the brilliance of all the DNA that created this whole thing on however you want to explain it, the brilliance of embryology and going back and being able to connect with those, the frequencies that, you know, the frequency pulse that created your heart to start beating at five weeks, Mm -hmm. the frequency that started, you know, building muscle tissue, going back and connecting with that stuff in Mm -hmm. the science side in an awareness in a meditation is so fun for me. It's such a really practical way for me to kind of get a sense of it and, and right. be specific this many hurts <laughs> have many you that. seen a lot of you know stuff in our genetics that is actually you know not of this life right so I had uh, most of my self-love issues don't track back necessarily to only this life and this is generational for me you know this is one woman after the next and me going all the way back and understanding where that came from this is why Seeing that and knowing I don't live in 1800 anymore. I don't have to live this way anymore. Thank you. So I kind of get frustrated when people are like, well, is that my past life? And I'm like, well, it was somebody's life and it's in your DNA, but you can't, you know, my grandparents were refugees. Yeah. Yes. That's real. That's very tangible. My mom was three when she came to this country as a refugee. They had nothing. So all that DNA is in me. Mm-hmm. And and definitely, definitely something that needs to be looked at and addressed. But what yeah. I hear you saying, which I adore, and I don't hear a lot of people saying it, is that it's really not for you to go back and fix. It's 
it's a part of you, but like Mm -hmm. going back and trying to fix it, that just doesn't make sense to me. It's like, you're taking ownership for something that's not yours. And that doesn't make sense to me. We have enough problems. I don't need my grandparents' problems. I actually went through that though and tried to do that. That was part of my journey. Definitely that I had to let that go because I wanted to, of course. Yes, certainly. Because you're an empath. So what should you do? You can't go back and fix it. You can't change the past. I mean, it, it is as it is. You have to accept it. But now that you have this new awareness, right, you can absolutely create a new neural pathway that's brighter. Yes. And that then changes your future generations. You teach your children that they teach their that yes. freaking path isn't there anymore. You've absolutely broke it. It's huge. It's huge. And, and if you don't want to go in and do the personal work for yourself and go in the, do it for your kids, kids, yeah, do it, do it for, do the it future. for your nieces or nephews. If you don't have kids, cause it's still a generational pattern. And when I shift something, I see it, my parents, I see it in, in how they show up with me and, and I'm not changing who they are. And I, I, I think, I think I have pretty, I don't want to jinx myself here, but I don't want to invite awareness about not having it, but I, I have pretty, pretty healthy boundaries about you know, what's theirs in mind, but, you know, do it a little bit for them and a little bit for yourself because I when, love that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Shanna walked me through the shift and I was like, what is this shift shit you're talking about? I don't get it. She's like, you can't change them. You can change you. And then they change, they shift. And I was like, what? And oh my so God, true. when I went yeah. through it, I mean, I go through it all the time, but it was, it was such a, beautiful thing to witness a beautiful in retrospect but it's not always pleasant when you're going through it oh no no, no it's horrible no. so when i was 19 so weeks pregnant with my twins um i sat with my good friends the clinical social worker and my friend who's needle astrologer and we were coming up with some ideas for the healing center and we had t-shirts printed that said shift happens right it's very common now but 10 years ago it wasn't i i don't remember saying it back then but anyway so we had shift happens well let me tell you Two weeks later, when shift happened to me, it was not funny on a fucking Mm -hmm. t-shirt. Right. (laughs) Like it is so uncomfortable when you're going through it. It's really uncomfortable, but you you have to show up in the discomfort and you have to find somebody who can help you hold safe space for that. And, and when you're not in those uncomfortable moments, use this downtime, my friends, to work on your stuff, (laughs) to start cleaning up what you don't know is there show up in a regular, you know, we do. Um, twice a month classes, show up and explore your zones and yeah. unpack them, give them some safe space to breathe. Let the blankets, you know, lift the blankets up and let the balloons go. See what balloons are tied to something. Do a little work on those mm-hmm. because when things do surface, then you can go with the flow, which is really what. Oh my gosh. I, it just dawned do. on me. We used to always, whenever we'd be having these conversations, it would always be like, you know, but people are just taking medicine and just numbing their pain or people are just running from their stress and not addressing it. I don't even say that anymore because I feel like most people are starting to truly get that those things are not a solution. They are temporary solutions, but you have to go to the deep root of it. You have to make like these major, you have to be brave enough in your life with support, right? I mean, we all need to be supported. And sometimes you do have to use, you know, those medications, but I mean, look at them as temporary solutions so that you can permanently get to a place where you truly want to be. Yep. Again, everything is a tool to access what already exists within, whether it's a pharmaceutical and, and again, yeah. you do need some pharmaceuticals to survive. I'm not saying, you know, you can just go off all your pharmaceuticals, depending on what you have going on, but whether it's smudge or a crystal or, you know, Zoloft, it's a tool yeah. to access what's within. Yeah. You might need to always have the crystal in your pocket to remind you that's okay. But yeah. remember, it's not that you should stop using the tools. It's just, you should stop giving them the power. Mm-hmm. Stop letting them own that frequency. Mm-hmm. They're just here to wake it up in you. That's it. So I love that. Um, just to clarify for our listeners, what does a cranial sacral therapy like session look like? How long are these sessions? Is it like a, a regular therapist? You go once a week. What does this look like? Um, well, I'll speak for myself because we're all so different. All of us yeah. so intuitively, right? With all of our different skill sets develop on different paths. Um, for me, I actually, what's happening now is when I, Cindy, 
one who sent me here, she started as a cranial client. She's like, I don't know what you're going to do to me, but fix this TMJ problem I have. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's look at that. So I went in, did a little, you know, cranial mouth work, did the adjustments, did all the tangible stuff that people want to feel that you're working on it. You're doing it, creating the change. Right. And at the end of the session, (laughs) I love Cindy. I was like, you know, we'll be doing this for the rest of our lives if you don't start showing up and seeing what's triggering this pain. Because in that treatment, here's what came up for me. These are my, these are my triggers. Do any of these sound familiar to you? And she's like, oh, oh, wow. Oh yeah. I remember this time when I had this thing and I, my mom used to make me eat my vegetables. I think that's what it was for her. My mom used to make me eat my food. I used to cut my teeth. I'm like, gee, so when you're frustrated that you have to do something you don't want to do, and she's like, yeah, yes. And I'm like, okay, that's where we need to start. Otherwise I'm going to make, I'm going to like retire off of the number of treatments I'm going to have to give you. And as much as I love doing the treatments, yeah, I, I want people to be able to learn to do this for themselves because they can. That's right. Well, I mean, that's my goal too. I'm like, I am giving you, sir, I'm, you know, I'm working on you to help you have awareness of this, but the goal is, is that I don't see you anymore, that you right. fully understand your own energy. You can connect with your own shit. Right. And you don't need me. You can call me and be like, listen to the breakthrough I just had. And, and that you want to know like what? Cool. That's why I love the work we do because that right there shows that your intention isn't just to make a shit ton of money. Our intention and our hearts are to truly help people learn how to help themselves. Yeah, and absolutely. Tr- truthfully, I don't even... Uh, sh- practitioners who are listening to this, because I'm certain there's a ton of practitioners out there. You know, the difference between the clients who want to show up and want to start learning what they can do for themselves and how they can start participating in the work and the clients who come in and they're like, they just want you to fix them. Fix them. And then they're like, wait, is it done? And they fall asleep and you, you try to connect and bring them back. And they're, I just want to take a nap. Okay, great. I don't want those clients. (laughs) Like I don't, I'm not interested in working with them. That is totally okay. And honestly, sometimes we just need to receive. I just need to be quiet and I just need to receive. And that's okay too. But the clients who are never interested in learning how they can show up for themselves in a different way and create a shift, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here and I do it, you know, since COVID hit, it really pushed my passion, which is just doing it Mm -hmm. online, reaching people outside of my zip code. Um, That's a whole different story about the zip code, but um, to reach other people beyond that who are looking to do their work. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it can be done online. I mean, lots of practitioners do distance work and show up. And if you show up and you tell me what you're sensing when we're doing these zone exercises, I can talk to you through what's probably happening and we can hit that, that validation and that resonation and connect and move you through it. My question is, what do you think of like EMDR and those kind of other techniques? Tools. A practitioner tools. is a tool. Mm-hmm. I've heard great things. A friend of mine has, um, she's been in a lot of traumatic car accidents um, and biking accidents, uh, almost lost her life. Um, and she has some driving anxiety, serious driving anxiety. And yeah. she uses EMDR um, to help pull herself through that and to coach herself through it. Again, it's a tool. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, and guess like what? tapping. There's so many wonderful tools. It's there activating that part of you. It's reminding yeah. you you're safe. It's whatever. It's opening up a channel. It's bringing balance. It's bringing you to neutral. It's reminding you, you are safe. And Awesome tool. Check yeah. it. You know, what's really funny also, Amy, is that I like you, like as I started to work with energy work, when I first, well, actually it was cranial sacral therapy that brought me to energy work because I realized that I could very much sense everyone's energy. It was like very easy to me, but then it also became very, I, it became very apparent that I was a physical empath. I mean, I, I mean, if you had drop pain, I went home and dropped pain. I thought it was crazy. You had an ankle pain. I have an ankle pain now. Well, how the fuck is this happening? I'm, I must be, you know, seriously going psychic or psychotic, not psychic <laughs> or maybe psychic. I was like, what is happening? And then I go to the doctor and I have a list so long and they're like, oh, you just have fibromyalgia. Let's just give you some pain pills and oh. some muscle relaxers. Hmm. You don't have to feel that anymore. And I was glad to not feel it. But then I got to a place where I didn't feel shit. You know, I didn't feel anything. I didn't, I didn't have emotions. I didn't have any pain. I, I felt so out of touch with my body. And that was kind of like the opposite of really what we should be doing. 
So I went off of everything, but I needed to have tools, right? I needed to replace the, that medication and all that stuff with something. So I did therapy. I, I learned Reiki. I did learned meditation and all these different tools to help me. And I still do use cranial sacral, but it was funny because I used to have like people who are very spiritual come and visit me for cranial sacral. And I didn't even get it back then, but they kept on saying like, you know, like your energy is amazing. I, you know, I really felt a lot from you and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I feel a lot from you too. I don't really know what that is, but <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm, I'm feeling, doing, but just keep but going. I, it was my entry into energy work. And I absolutely believe in it hundred percent. Can you explain the difference? You brought up two really interesting points. One thing you were talking about, which is the ultimate, the universal uh, practitioner problem, the PP is we all walk away with quote unquote, other people's physical mm-hmm. issues, right? That is why our mirror neurons have been fired off. And often when we share the same issue, it's really easy for my hip pain to get triggered when I'm working on somebody who's got pelvic issues. And mm-hmm. so my mirror neurons like, oh my God, there's probably a problem. I'm sensing low back pain. And so it's so important. And that's what's so crucial about the cranial rhythms and practicing those. Um, in my opinion, why, I'm, why I want people to learn it is because coming back to your cranial rhythms can reset all of that. And as practitioners and as empaths, as people who are caregivers and hospitals, nurses, all these people, teachers, because you have to understand they're mirroring that child to understand where they're getting stuck. So all of these roles, your mirror neurons are lit up by everybody else. You have to go do those rhythms, do your zones to dissipate all that stuff, do those rhythms to reset back to you. You have to do your zones when you're not with other people so that you know what your zones feel like. So that when I'm working on somebody in a cranial treatment and I have my head under there and I'm feeling for their cranial rhythm. And all of a sudden I feel, here we go. I feel like a, a condom has just been pulled over me <laughs> <laughs> tight. and it's just like, <laughs> I had to use it. I, like know, it. I can, yeah. I can decipher. <laughs> oh no, that's not my zone B that's Mandy's. Let's see if we can help her with that. Right. And differentiate the two. So it's so just like self-reiki. Be- it's like giving yourself reiki, you know, and that was one of the biggest reasons why I loved reiki because you had to learn how to heal yourself before you moved on. You see, in the class that I took with cranial, they did not teach us to do that to ourselves. Oof. Yeah. Um, I have to give my teacher props. I went through a bunch of different craniosacral teachers, frankly, until I found him. His um complete love for the embryology and the science was refreshing. There was no mysticism in the cranial training. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it, but it just didn't resonate for me. It didn't feel, it, it, it didn't make sense to me. And I had that lingering, mm, something's not right. What here. is, okay. What is embryology? So um, embryology is the study of how we evolve from fertilization. From the embryo. Okay. To- okay. Just clarifying here. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And so in biodynamic craniosacral work, part of the embryology being used in that work is looking at how does the human form? How are we forming these layers of skin? How are we forming this? How are we forming that? What's the mm-hmm. frequency? So it was, I hope I'm quoting this right. Uh, this is pulling from my archives here. So if you get a post that I was wrong, um, that it was osteopathic principles about the frequency of bone growth that's created what's a very commonly used physical therapy tool now that stimulates bone growth to um, stimulate recovery, especially in older populations where it takes much longer for them to repair a fracture or something like that. That was like one of the first signs of using frequencies to do healing in one of the Western formats is, you know, a machine now makes that frequency. And of course the things that we maybe, maybe some neuroscientists can explain this, but you know, the frequency that our body kicks into as a healer, as just another human being, I I don't feel like I have a gift from anybody that makes me any different from any other human being on this earth. I just, I'm simply accessing something. Everybody has, you know, the ability to, and I worked really, really hard to get here. (laughs) And so my body and many other people, their frequencies go into that vibration to help the person that they're working on, right? Reiki, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. It 
he kicks in that frequency to activate that healing within. Okay. There was this post on Facebook that I saw about our eggs and how, you know, we're born with these eggs that are actually inside. So we have them from, from day one. And then when we're inside of our mother, inside of our grandmother, that's the stuff that just like, I'm physically a part of her DNA. And even if you're not genetically of someone else, they have imprinted you and their frequency is in you. Okay, Amy, I have a question for you. Are you ready? Yeah. Could you describe yourself in a worldly manner? What are your labels? I'm a mom. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. All those family titles. I'm a craniosacral therapist. Mm -hmm. I'm an empath. I'm an Aries. Can you tell us? ADHD, if not a lot more than a wee bit. (laughs) Can you describe your soul? So that goes back to describing my soul is really describing the DNA, my ancestors, all the things that they brought to me, all that genetic patterning and imprint, all my experiences, and it's evolving. So not really, because who knows what it's going to be in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Amy, you've been so awesome. I, it's so intriguing. I would love to learn it myself. So I teach, um, we do monthly beginner classes and then we do advanced classes for people who are looking to do personal growth throughout the year and stay anchored in what they're looking to stay focused on. And so you can get started with some of the stuff and try out some of those zones. Uh, Cindy and some of my other participators, people who show up and love the work, they're like, you have to give away the snow globe. And I'm like, okay. So I have a snow globe settling, which will help you one, do the self-regulating people who struggle to meditate, really find this to be helpful and kind of overcome the, the struggle and the obstacles there. Okay. And you'll also get to get familiar and start to get to know your zones. And you do this over and over and over and over as many times as you want. And it'll just keep evolving for you. So it's at Amy, A-I-M-E-E-O-R-T-A amyorta.com backslash s-o-s oh thank you what's what's the bio tea we didn't get a chance to really talk about it too much the bio tea that oh oh yeah the biodynamic tea so uh tea is the structure or the framework that i is what i help people learn to do Um, T is for time, E is for energy, and A is for ability. So time is allowing the safe space, even if it's just for a moment. The work that we do doesn't require an hour of your practice time. A lot of it starts with just a three to five minute reset. Um, So it's allowing just a moment to be present in the multiple sensory layers um, from physical body to otherwise to integrate things that would otherwise be hidden, to let all that stuff show up. Okay, so the energy- I thought it was drinking tea and Mandy was right. <laughs> Sorry, I made an acronym for something. I love- no, I do it all the time too. I, go, I think it's an acronym and she goes, oh, so it's not like tea that she sells on her website. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> While it can but be a lovely tool. Amy, no. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if you had tea, I would buy it. That's how much I love you. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Amy, hold on. I just thought of a business idea for you. I'm featuring opening my tea and on the end of it has this cute little like reminder of connecting to my zone. And I put it in my cute intention teacup and I drink it and bring awareness to one of my zones. I don't know, girl. I think you're onto something with this. If one of my pillars was that you can do this all within, I'd say yes, but that might backfire on the part where I'm like, you can do all within. You don't need yeah. anything. You can do this it. This is your accessories. You're okay with accessories. Go within, yeah. but you can accessorize. Yeah, exactly. Oh my um, gosh. You've been awesome. Thank you. Yeah. You uh, do I, have to break that shit down though. And now it's time for break that shit down. My final thought is stress and tension is an absolute golden moment to better understand who you authentically are and to align to your soul and your life purpose. All you have to do 
is allow yourself some tea. Like it. <laughs> tea time, people. Tea, tea time. time, people. My entire life, that discomfort that you were talking about has just, I haven't gone into discomfort by choice. Um, it's been placed on me. And right now in my life, I'm choosing to go into discomfort on purpose for the first time ever because I'm finally brave enough and I have enough self love to do it and tools. But I will tell you, the stress that my body is feeling right now is insane. The headaches, the body ache, ups and downs of these emotions. Yeah. So this is, a, I know this is a really big time for me to even get to know myself better. It's like climbing that mountain. It's not easy. It hurts. You got to push yourself, you know, it's like you still feel pain. Yeah. So, so Amy, what suggestion do you have for me right now? <laughs> yeah. So the thing I'm hearing is um, how much are you receiving? Because right now I think you have to look at um, how much you're putting out, how much you need to be putting out there to accomplish all the things you need to be doing right now life change and, and reorientating all this stuff and kids mm-hmm. and all that. How much are you putting out and how much are you receiving? There is a time definitely to just flat out receive. And how much are you receiving gotcha. is what's popping into my head. Hey, hey, one more thing, Mandy, by the way, I was just had this vision of like, you know, how like when people are doing like a marathon or like a race and they're sweating and they're exhausted, but they have to keep going. There's always pit stops, right? They got to refresh themselves, you know, get a little shoulder rub and a little add a girl, you know, a little pat on the butt, keep going. You're good. You <laughs> a know, banana. And cheering on the way, on the way and support. So don't try to do this all alone. You won't win. And you have to plan them. Don't expect them to show up. You have to schedule yeah. okay. it in. You yeah, have, to, have know. to be here, here, here. Right. Good. Ooh, that's good, good advice. I'm, I'm just sitting there waiting on them. I need to plan them. No, no. You right. have to, to make come it. popping up. Good, right. good advice. Great. Thank you, Amy. You guys are so great. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.